Welcome to the South Asian Voices Subcontinental Podcast, featuring discussions on the security, strategy, politics, and history of South Asia. I'm your host, Samir Lawani, and in this edition of the Subcontinental, South Asian Voices Managing Editor Apriti Vasudeva interviews the January 2018 cohort of Stimson South Asian Voices Visiting Fellows. Hello everyone, I'm Akriti Vasudeva and I'm the Managing Editor of South Asian Voices and I'm very pleased to have with me another cohort of the SAV Visiting Fellows. To those of you who don't know, SAV biannually offers visiting fellowships to outstanding analysts, scholars and students dedicated to the study of South Asia. Hosted for one month in Washington DC at the Stimson Center's offices, fellows work in pairs to develop a co-authored research project while meeting with experts in universities and think tanks along with US policymakers working on South Asian security. So I'll now ask our fellows to introduce themselves and then we'll chat a little bit about their experience during the fellowship, what they've learned, and we may even get into some discussion of President Trump's South Asia strategy. So should I ask uh, Memuna to start? Hi everyone, I'm Memuna Ishraf, visiting fellow at the South Asian Voices Timson Center DC. Uh, until recently, I was associated with the Strategic Vision Institute, Islamabad. Um, I uh, was working on South Asian nuclear issues, particularly uh, I focused on uh, India-Pakistan missiles capabilities, doctrinal postures, and multilateral export control regimes. Hi, hi everyone. This is Hina Pandey, and I'm working as an associate fellow with the Center for Air Power Studies. I look at nuclear non-proliferation issues, and I'm currently also looking at Iran and North Korea. And here at Stimson, me and Mamuna are uh, working on a joint paper. We are looking at nuclear narratives in South Asia since 2014. We are basically mapping a trend of what is the narrative, what are the capabilities, what are shaping that narrative. And we are also uh, trying to find an answer to a very important question as to what is the role of think tanks in uh, South Asia, mainly in India and Pakistan. Thanks, Ina. Uh, hi, everyone. This is Mohammed Faisal. <coughs> hi. Uh, at home, I worked at uh, Institute of Studies at Islamabad. I am part of the China-Pakistan study project program. I also look on the South Asian security issues and the role of China in the region. Here at Stimson, I and a uh, fellow Yakub, we are looking at competing interests of regional powers in Afghanistan in the context of uh, Trump administration South Asia policy. Thank you. Uh, hello, everybody. This is Yakub. I'm from. IDSA, Institute for Defense Studies and Analysis, a think tank based in New Delhi, where I'm working on Pakistan and Afghanistan, observing developments into Afghan region and the militant outfits in that region, and also following the uh, domestic politics of Kashmir. Here in ID, um, Stimson's, me and Faisal are working on Trump's new South Asian strategy, or you call it a policy working on its competing interests, uh, overlapping of interests, and the divergence. And finally, we'll come out with a way forward, hopefully. Thank you, all of you. So let's get uh, right to it. Let's talk about how your fellowship experience has been. You've been here for about three weeks now. You'll be here for another week, and you have about 30 to 35 meetings across town. So I want to ask uh, Hina, how has this fellowship aided in or impacted your professional goals? Well, um, I have not been used to taking interviews, as many interviews as I can, in a very limited uh, number of time. And here at Stimson, I think uh, what I have really learned is to uh, utilize the time that we've had in hand and really, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, 
engage in this uh, engage in talks with the expert with uh, preset questions and so such that you can get the most out of these experts uh, how you are optimizing your time here taking interviews framing your research puzzle at the same time then incorporating more incorporating more ideas into your uh, research idea then further uh, you know uh, narrowing it narrowing it down so that is something that uh, i haven't done in the last 3 years because we are we are starting at caps we are starting at uh, you know a predefined set of uh, scope of research proposal and then uh, yeah, the interview bit sort of happens at the later stage and here we are starting with these interviews so we are getting a lot of ideas and then we are following it with our own research questions so that's very exciting great so did it feel a little bit like it was you know this you went to grad school for one month it was a quick thing that you were learning it, all it did things. feel like it was a fast track a refresher course for mm -hmm. research methodology in that sense yeah. um you know um, i am also very surprised with the variety of views that i have got on our questions and on our topics as well uh if i can explain uh, i was also very surprised with uh how well our topic has been received here in terms of you know uh, uh, we have talked about uh, nuclear narratives and uh, think tanks in south asia and this is something that has never happened before like this is one question that uh, that there is a research gap in this question as in, in this uh, subject area so uh, uh the policy expert that i have met have been very encouraging mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they have uh, they are very interested to know what we will come up with in the next 5 or 6 months mm -hmm. and they have uh, asked us to also keep in touch and you know uh, back and forth have great com communication even after we go back so that's great so it seems like you have your finger on the pulse of like the issues that everyone cares about in dc that's great uh, you actually stole my next question a little <laughs> bit uh first i wanted to ask you what has sort of been the most surprising thing of during your meetings in dc whether it's about the us policy making process or any views that you've heard so uh in the dc policy community since we interacted with both the government and the outside the government uh, experts the surprising thing was uh we working on the south asia policy from administration uh Uh, the surprising thing was there was little bit of surprise on the how the policy was framed and its roll out to the public process but at the same time there was also bit of consensus on the need for the policy that there was uh, time had come for this policy itself so there, in, in that sense there was a disconnect between the uh, policy makers and the government and experts outside but in the other way around they also agreed on the need for the policy you talking about the trump Asia, so particularly yeah, particularly on that process actually uh, uh, one got the sense here that the town uh, washington itself uh, it has evolved considerably over the last 12 months since the trump, trump administration has come in mm -hmm. the policy making process right now it's different from what was under obama or bush administration mm -hmm. so even the experts outside the government here are coming to terms with the new uh, Uh, realities of the policy making process mm -hmm. uh, it's like people in the outside are also trying to catch up with the government mm -hmm. so were there any views that you held about you know washington or how things work when you were back in islamabad looking from you know the inside uh, from the outside in and uh, now that you're here from the outside in perspective uh mostly one thought that there was kind of synergy or uh, and there was kind of back and forth that was happening between the administration and those uh, experts and the policy communities and because in the system here is people continue to move in out of the government mm. so one there's a revolving door so there's a revolving door and one thought that there was some kind of synergy in there 
but maybe right now because it's a trump administration it's a peculiar phenomena mm. that the synergy is absent mm. and yeah. you feel that how does that compare to south asia in terms of is there a conversation uh, among think tanks or between the think tanks and the government about policy issues and how much influence they have uh, south asia is per different in case of pakistan the policy community and the think tanks the, uh, they are two different uh, they operate in silos actually mm. uh, the government they re- it reaches out to think tanks when it deems it necessary mm-hmm. while think tanks continue to hold convene workshops hold seminars continue to publish writings uh, as their recommendations but how much that going to the system mm-hmm. that is was not the scale that is culture uh, so uh, like in institutionalized input uh, it's not institutionalized input because mm-hmm. that culture is still emerging and evolving in that sense mm-hmm. while the think tank culture came up in the US yeah so in that sense it's much deep rooted here but despite it's being deep rooted this here yeah. uh, during the past 12 months and right now even one sees there's a disconnect between administration mm-hmm. and the policy communities yeah do you think that's the same in india yakub i guess it's the south asian culture mm-hmm. you know this think tank sort of things it's still emerging there mm-hmm. it hasn't reached the level where it is in the us and the other uh, the western countries where there is a, that the linkage between the think tanks and the policy makers mm-hmm. we are missing it in uh, particularly in uh, and uh, in uh, india mm-hmm. there are few who have the access with the uh, the policy makers but uh, that's that's still at the initials So I have something to add here. Like I agree with what both of you have said, but I think I also see think tanks as uh, a communicating platform for you know various actors, where government and corporate uh, enterprise and also sometimes academia can actually exchange views. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is very difficult to measure to what extent the influence has uh, transmitted into the government and policy making. But there is definitely some influence, and there is definitely uh, uh, some measure of uh, you know policy making that think tanks participate in. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I'm saying is that because if they do not uh, have any purpose if they do, if they would not have any uh, role in uh, the policy making then uh, carnegie and brookings and other uh, big think tanks from uh, very renowned international think tanks would not have actually thought about coming to india and starting their operations there so there is definitely uh, there is there is definitely some recognition from the from the uh, from outside india as well that think tanks do play some role mm-hmm. uh, yes uh, uh, the measurement of that role is very difficult and that's very challenging but uh i think this is where our significance of our research also lies you know uh, to really uh, get the uh, intersection of uh, think tank and policy making and you know how it becomes right so it's sort of the landscape of think tanks Absolutely. are it's evolving <clears throat> how much that influence actually you know translates into policy or whether it's just sort of having a conversation with experts who are studying the issue for a long period of time while you are in government and not able to look at those issues yeah. as closely so memuna I was mentioning earlier that you all have had about 25 to 30 meetings by this point and you will have some more in the coming week which one was your favorite or the one that you found most insightful uh i think it's very hard to name one since all personalities were amazing and uh, it was always uh, something dear to learn from each of them because uh, there was always a new debate there was always a new exchange of ideas with them um but since if i have to pick one i will uh, choose one uh with the cinti westergaard and uh, sheren sikusani 
because the meeting was very focused uh, uh, since I and Hina are working on uh, nuclear debates and nuclear narratives, so uh, it was very uh, interactive session with them, and it was very focused. Uh, it was very relevant to our uh, research project here, so we really enjoyed uh, the meeting. Uh, with both of them and uh, although I think I equally enjoyed the meeting with Joshua White uh, and Zamiya. Um, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about your research projects at Stimson since you know our listeners have, don't know too much about it so why don't Memuna and Hina you start and then Faisal and Yaku can talk about that. To conduct our research we will be looking on the significance of uh, nuclear narratives, what is generally the significance of uh, nuclear narratives and other than that uh, we will be looking on different questions like uh, what is the debate or narrative that is being shaped by the nuclear de development in India and Pakistan since 2014 mm -hmm. and second um, we are going to evaluate and trace the recent developments uh, that took place uh, in last uh, year. yeah in these years uh, what are the key actors that have influenced the nuclear discourse in India and Pakistan uh, since 2014? Uh, and moreover, the study will also examine the uh, publicly available discourse, uh, including the various positions on the relationship between the emerging nuclear narrative and the nuclear policies. So can you talk a little bit more about the objective of, of the project and, and what you are measuring? So basically, I would talk about the approach that uh, we are uh, trying to adopt uh, when we go back. Uh, I was, uh, uh, we were, we are planning to focus a lot on the interviews also when we go back. So we were planning to conduct interviews with uh, directors of the think tanks, people who have been in the think tank community for some some time and they have seen the process and policy making, mm -hmm. and we will attempt at asking them questions as to how do they think think tanks influence policy making in general, mm -hmm. and then looking specifically at nuclear policy, mm -hmm. and maybe attempting at gathering some case studies that can substantiate the you know ideas that we have formulated and uh, the objective of our um, uh, you know uh, research is very simple basically we are looking at I mean, in the last four years, you have seen there have been some voices uh, from India and Pakistan talking about nuclear capabilities and developments and, um, you know, on postures and doctrines. And that has, that has uh, uh, you know, uh, received across borders as well. Mm -hmm. And that has also created an image and impression uh, from the, uh, in the outside uh, community as well. So we are trying to pick these, uh, uh, these voices and we are trying to... Uh, basically ask question as to are there going are there going to be any shifts in the policy and whether these shifts are reflective of you know upcoming capabilities mm -hmm. and the fundamental question here will also be what impacts what in terms of does capability impact uh, the debate or the debate impacts the capability mm -hmm. of course I understand the challenge here is uh, we are only looking at four years so you know uh, it is such a short time but we are still trying to because we are also going to go year by year so we will be mapping capability and debate at the same time from 2014 to six, uh, 15 16 and 17 mm -hmm. so i think it is going to be a very interesting detailed study and how these uh, you know uh, narratives have been received cross borders great that sounds great so i should mention at this point that um, um the fellows are working in pairs but they will be publishing the the sort of product in about six uh, to eight months so they're working on their proposals right now and they will be presenting it to a select audience at Stimson next week and then um, they will sort of sit down to write the actual proposal 
and uh, hopefully it should be out soon and we will keep you posted on when that happens. So Faisal and Yakub, why don't you talk about your proposal now? Okay. So thank you. Uh, I and Yakub, we are looking at the Afghan conflict, uh, how it's evolving and its future way forward in the context of the regional security environment. Uh, we are basically looking at the interest of the regional actors, uh, where they converge and diverge as related to the uh, war in Afghanistan. And uh, since the Trump administration came, out, came to office, they announced that they will conduct a review of the U.S. engagement in Afghanistan, since uh, the, one of the main parties of the war is United States itself, going mm -hmm. to its military presence there. So for good eight to ten months, the uh, region actually waited for that review to be completed and the policy to be rolled out publicly. That rollout happened in late August, and since then, uh, regional countries has reacted, including Pakistan, uh, India, Iran, and Russia, with regard to uh, war in Afghanistan. And uh, but there has we have seen a rupture in Pakistan-U.S. relationship with Afghanistan being at the center of that rupture. Yeah. If rupture is not the right word, we have seen a new crisis, latest <coughs> crisis, which is about Afghanistan. So in that context, uh, uh, when the fellowship idea came up, we were like, okay, we are going to Washington. What's the most relevant thing in Washington mm -hmm. right now related to the region? Yeah. And that is on top of everything, it's war in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm because of the U.S. presence there, and it's in the 17th year. So even for the region itself, getting a perspective from Washington on the war in Afghanistan and its future outlook, that's the most, uh, in terms of timing, everything is the most relevant thing to do. And that's what we decided to do, actually. Yeah, do you want to add something? Yeah, to add what Faisal said, that we will be looking uh, <coughs> overlapping of interests in Afghanistan, the overlapping interests among the states or between the states. Uh, I will be also looking at what are the divergent of the interests within the states in Afghanistan. Or, or, uh, is there any possibility where we can bring all the states together to, in order to bring some sort of a stability in Afghanistan? And more importantly, in this project, we will look at has there been or is there any grand strategy in Afghanistan or for Afghanistan from the U.S. side? Or will that be implemented? If yes, and what will be the implications for that? Will that bring Afghanistan some sort of a a respite from the violence. So let's talk a little bit about what's been in the news and it's you know sort of related to your project um, and Faisal you alluded to this earlier where there has been significant tension between the United States and Pakistan over the last one month. Uh, it started with the New Year's Day tweet and then there was this whole conversation in Pakistan about should we shut supply, NATO supply routes, um, things uh, haven't sort of been resolved. So how, and you've written a piece about this uh, for South Asian Voices, but I, I want you both to talk about where do you see the relationship going in the short to medium term, the U.S.-Pakistan relationship? Uh, in the medium, in the immediate uh, short term, uh, the relationship will muddle through. Given that there is a context to even the muddling, that is, there is a, uh, elections are coming up in Pakistan, mm -hmm. and the government right now lacks the political capital to attempt a major reset or even rethink review of the foreign policy posture that Pakistan has adopted towards the U.S. Uh, towards the U.S. and towards the region in general. Mm -hmm. So as the status quo remains, U.S. and Pakistan will continue to engage tactically over the counterterrorism mm -hmm. and coordinating some of the action in Afghanistan. But towards a larger political question and the strategic outlook, uh, and uh, re, uh, having a candid dialogue for finding out a space where they can both converge their policies 
that will be after the summer that dumps in Pakistan. What about you, Yaakov? Uh, I think we will be back to the square one. What, where, what is square one? <laughs> the square one is that, uh, that uh, both Pakistan and uh, US will... Uh, Look, they need each other in Afghanistan, and mm. Pakistan would be very much, you know, prudent. They are not going to, you know, uh, shun all those the options they have vis-a-vis uh, America. Like, like they are not going to close the, all the communication lines or using these all the trump cards they have. Mm-hmm. But Pakistan, uh, uh, U.S. also knows that it needs Pakistan in Afghanistan in order to bring stability in Afghanistan. U.S. knows that the road goes through the Rawalpindi, road road goes the GHQ, and to change that attitude, and I think. Uh, uh, there is a realization within the U.S. that it does not have the leverage, mm-hmm. but it used to have in the past vis-a-vis Pakistan, mm-hmm. because that leverage has been mostly been um, uh, taken by the China, China both economically and the military aid. Although there is a military-to-military dialogue, and that is going to remain. And if you see the Pakistan-U.S. relationship, it has always been to the military-to-military. It mm-hmm. has never transcended. In case of Pakistan, it has never transcended from military to the civilians. It was the militaries who used to always take the shots. Um, Hina and Memun, I wanted to sort of probe you a little bit about your topic and, and ask you how do you think the, the nuclear narrative or the debate in India or Pakistan has changed between say 1998 when the tests, nuclear tests happened to now? What are sort of the, the parameters that you know you considered right after testing and, and how have things developed or how, how you even think about um, nuclear weapons now as opposed to then? See, uh, from India, I think um, I don't see a significant change when it comes to nuclear weapons. Uh, Ever since the doctrine had been released, uh, nuclear weapons have been looked at as uh, political weapons and they are not for war fighting. So those kind of uh, resonations you see all across uh, the the policy uh, experts and, you know, the strategic experts. But what I see in the very recent times is in since 2014, there have been some voices that looks at you know, uh, Pakistan's tactical nuclear weapons development. And then there has been some voices that are talking about whether India should respond to it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, there have, in the last uh, few years, I think there have been some uh, voices that talked about changing the doctrine, you know, and uh, tweaking certain elements in the doctrine and things like that. Mm -hmm. So that is something that I have seen as emerging in the last, uh, you know, I would say five years. And uh, it's all out there in the public domain. Uh, We have heard, we have seen, and we have... uh, read all the articles and uh, one uh, uh, interesting uh, feature uh, that has been talked a lot about India's nuclear doctrine is its uh, no first use policy Mm -hmm. and you know uh, and that has further raised important questions about uh, the uh, you know the uh, usability of NFU policy in uh, in the Indian strategic domain at the same time it has uh, raised a lot of questions from Pakistan community whether NFU is only declaratory. Mm-hmm. Now to answer this question is when only two countries have NFU then uh, how do you convince that this is declaratory or not? Mm-hmm. So those kind of, I mean there are various kind of questions that are emerging out of these uh, you know recent debates that have been coming up. Uh, before the uh, debate was more about uh, the deterrence perspective in Pakistan uh, or in, in uh, both in India and Pakistan, Pakistan. Mm-hmm. yeah there was more debate on the minimalism in South Asia mm-hmm. um, in the nuclear doctrines of both countries mm-hmm. um, but now um, it is more seen uh, there are the doc- uh, they are modifying the doctrinal postures mm-hmm. and the developments are uh, uh, there are developments that are taking place and that uh, is shifting uh, 
the doctrines of both countries and uh, uh, the debate is more moving towards uh, the war fighting uh, aspects mm-hmm. and uh, uh, there is another thing that before it was taken as the instrument of exis- uh, existential deterrent but now it is taken as uh, more in the, in the perspective of uh, uh, counter force uh, deterrence in the uh, perspective of uh, uh, war fighting doctrines. Would you say so this yes. is more the case in Pakistan or both in India and Pakistan? Uh, I think both in India and Pakistan because uh, the developments are more focusing on uh, the developments in India and Pakistan taking place, especially if you talk about the missiles developments, mm-hmm. uh, they are going towards uh, the naval uh, side, yeah, the seaways development. Yeah. Um, so let's let's move on to happier topics um, and let's talk a little bit about how your experience here has been other than work what's sort of been the most interesting non-work uh, activity that you've done maybe like you know visiting Capitol Hill or going to a museum or anything like that what's what's been well I'll start with uh, you know uh, encountering the Enola Gay I think uh, we were, we all went to uh, the Smithsonian Museum, Aerospace Museum, mm-hmm. and someone who has, uh, you know, someone who's interested in nuclear policy, nuclear, and anything that's nuclear, yeah. uh, I had to come to this place to see this is from this, this is the point where all it started from, mm-hmm. you know, to yeah. uh, experience that, uh, you know, uh, uh, the real aircraft out there, and, yeah. um, and I think that was in my bucket list for about six years, <laughs> and I was so happy to come here and, you know, uh, touch that one chapter from history and you know revisit it so we're and glad we made that happen yeah. for you <laughs> yes um so <laughs> Yakub, what would you recommend future fellows focus their energies on while they are in dc for their residency yeah i think uh, i will first recommend them come prepared mm-hmm. read as much as you can follow soV opens regularly basic it's the platform where you can get everything written on the South Asia. Come prepared in the sense, bring sort of so many ideas into yourself. Yeah. Be focused what you wanted to do after yeah. that. Yeah. Hina and Faisal want to add things? Yeah, I think something which is really, really important that I am taking away from this whole uh, period of uh, fellowship and something that I would also like to give forward to any everyone who anyone who is looking at uh, visiting fellowship is please don't hesitate to ask anything and do not hesitate to ask something that you know may be true something that you already know do not hesitate to test your hypothesis mm-hmm. there are certain policy experts and they know so much more that you will ever get in books mm-hmm. and from their own personal experiences and really an informal uh, exchange of you know ideas can facilitate more thinking mm-hmm. so my uh, you know takeaway would be don't don't hesitate to test your hypothesis don't just go and put your questions out there and you'll be surprised with the amount of response and knowledge that you can receive yes, uh, Hina and Yakub have covered most of the points uh, one <coughs> thing I would add is before going to the meetings uh, do read up on what the experts or those policymakers have talked about in public or have published going blank in the meeting thinking that you have set of prepared questions and you can just interview them without really having read their work you are at a disadvantage mm-hmm. and you will realize it when you are there in the meeting and you're not able to debate them on you can't some of the things <laughs> you're saying Memuna, yeah why don't you talk a little bit about specific professional development takeaways from the fellowship for you how do you think this is 
helped you in in sort of the work that you're going to do going forward yeah i think um, uh, it was an exciting opportunity obviously to interact with the dc based uh, policy makers and uh, strategic uh, experts so uh, in that way obviously it was a very learning uh, experience uh, but uh, uh, one thing that i would really specifically want to mention is that uh, um, i had better understanding uh, that how nuclear issues regarding south asia are being perceived mm-hmm. um, in the uh, policy or strategic community in united DC. states yeah so that was something that uh, that i really gained that mm-hmm. i really want to mention so let's uh, just wrap things up here um, and talk all of you talk a little bit about what are your plans after the fellowship what are you going back to yakub yeah let me t- uh, first add that it came as an opportunity actually uh, i'm working on in my book which i actually wrote in a phd thesis it's like on, on pakistan us relation post 911 and this scholarship this fellowship helped me a lot actually to fill the gaps i was lacking in my thesis mm-hmm. i'm going to um, publish it maybe it will take a bit time yeah uh, that's going to help me both in academically and my you know, professional life hope that that comes into the market as soon as possible and fills the void that has been untouched yet <laughs> hopefully so yeah. and i'm looking forward for that that's that sounds great and <laughs> send us a copy when you have sure, it good luck sure, with sure. that uh, faisal Uh, so my plan is first to go back to uh, office the daily routine mm-hmm. and secondly by the end of the year apply for a grad school oh uh, so let's see how that goes are you going to come back to the united states or are you it's one of the options <laughs> let's see where one ends up great good luck to you as well hina Yeah so uh, I think immediately in the next 48 hours after I go back I'll have to conduct uh, a coordinated nuclear security capsule workshop oh, uh, you know so great. yeah so you know it's back again to 9 to 5 mm-hmm. but in the long term I'm also planning to finish uh, my monograph on Iran's nuclear uh, you know non-proliferation program basically it's looking at Iran's nuclear program from proliferation crisis to non-proliferation promise oh, so yeah so I'm looking forward to finish it and then send it for publication soon Great. Good luck to you and Mehmuna. Uh, well, I intend to join Think Tank when I go back to resume my research-related professional activities, mm-hmm. and uh, I am also planning to pursue my PhD. So I think there is enough on my plate <laughs> when I yeah, go back. Good luck all around. You're all on to bigger and better things. Uh, so let's end here. I want to say thank you to all of you for joining me, and thank you from SAD. the January 2018 South Asian Voices Visiting Fellows for joining me and thanks to our listeners for tuning in for another episode of the Subcontinental Podcast. You can read analysis from our visiting fellows and find out more about the fellowship on the South Asian Voices website at www.southasianvoices.org and follow us on Twitter at sa voices.